Hi everyone, I'm Debbie from Property Apprentice. Join me today for the Week in Review where I talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Topics for this week, first up we've got from onenews.co.nz on the 10th of July, mortgage wars, banks offering incentives as the market cools. Second topic is from One Roof on the 11th of July, more for rent signs going up as vendors give up on selling. Third topic, One Roof, 12th of July, Kiwis cashing in, goodbye Auckland house prices, g'day Australia. Fourth topic, One Roof, 12th of July, how your credit score affects your mortgage chances. And last but not least, the Reserve Bank press release on the 13th of July, money tightening continues. Okay, so first off the rank today, we've got from onenews.co.nz on the 10th of July, mortgage wars, banks offering incentives as the market cools. Banks are getting more aggressive in marketing a range of deals in order to attract customers. Kiwi Bank and BNZ are offering 1% cash back for customers with conditions. In some cases, this could mean getting up to $20,000 cash back when you take out a home loan. On the other hand, ANZ has launched a 1% special interest rate for current borrowers who are interested in making their homes energy efficient. The loan, which can be up to $80,000, can be used for installing solar panels, double glazing, heating and insulation, and it can also be used for buying electric or hybrid vehicles, which I'm sure is going to be great news to a lot of people, especially with increasing petrol prices. The combination of tough lending conditions, rising interest rates, buyer hesitancy and falling house prices are causing the drop in mortgage applications. So banks are starting to compete with each other for market share. ANZ's Ben Callagher says customers have been asking for incentives like the energy efficiency loan. He observed that the market slowed down and this has been reflected by fewer house sales. The fear of missing out has been replaced by the fear of overpaying. Sense Partners economist Hannah Olet says that the fact that the housing market has cooled means that it's also a buyer's market in the banks as they also compete for customers. However, she believes that many of the deals are targeting those with higher incomes and higher deposits. Reading between the lines of the terms and conditions, it's clear that the larger the loan, the larger the cashback. It's not just banks trying to sweeten the deal, as some developers are offering fixed price construction costs on new builds, even when we're experiencing shortages with building materials and labour. Signature Homes' Gavin Hunt says it's very difficult for people to get funding from the banks if they don't know what the final cost is. Customers get nervous from hearing about material shortages and supply chain difficulties. Olette's advice to potential borrowers is to shop around for the best deals. In particular, customers should be aware of the trade-off between the interest rate they're offered and the deal itself, as there are other challenger banks who don't have cashback offers but are offering lower interest rates. Some banks have already taken into account the OCR increase, with the housing market in a state of flux, competition and volatility are expected to continue. Second topic for this week in review, we've got one roof on the 11th of July, more for rent signs going up as vendors give up on selling. There's some observations by CoreLogic Chief Economist Calvin Davidson for this week. First up, brain drain again. According to Davidson, this week's Stats New Zealand data may confirm that the brain drain may be in full flow again. There's commentary now that a potential net loss in Kiwis as they move abroad may have an effect on the rental market. Those leaving the country tend to be younger renters. He said landlords need to be watching closely, especially given reports of more for rent signs going up as vendors give up on selling.
Secondly, rental pressures fading. Stats New Zealand will also release the June rental price data this week. The figures for May already hinted at a slowdown, and since then data shows that asking rents have flattened as the number of listings increase and demand slows, which is great news for tenants, let's face it, because rents have certainly been on the increase uh, over the last few years. Adding to the list is the fact that sharp rent rises in the last 12 to 18 months have strained the finances of tenants. Davidson believes that the latest Stats New Zealand figures will show more proof that the recent rental upswing is fading. Third, Reserve Bank in focus. The Reserve Bank has taken the official cash rate to 2.5% in response to high inflation and high inflation expectations. It could potentially rise by another 1% or 1.5% if the Reserve Bank in New Zealand's own predictions prove correct. This will increase the pressure on mortgage rates. However, recent moves by main lenders to cut some rates may be a sign that we may be near the peak, if not already at the peak, for some of the mortgage rates. Still, it might be cold comfort for those yet to reprice from their low rate of 12 to 18 months ago. So if you're in that situation where you're coming off a low rate and having to refix at a much higher rate, just talk to an independent mortgage advisor to make sure that you get the best advice for your situation moving forward. And remember that this is a normal stage in the interest rate cycle. You know, interest rates will eventually come back down again. Fourth point, the correction rolls on, but not everywhere. The latest CoreLogic house price index, measuring average values across all properties, not just the median for what was sold recently, showed that national values dropped by 0.8% again in June. That's the third fall of that size in a row. Since the end of March, values have gone down about 2.3% nationally. In Auckland and Wellington, the decrease in values was 5%. However, Christchurch saw an increase of more than 3%. The patchiness is a reminder that in the property cycle, submarkets can perform differently. You know, we don't have one property market in New Zealand, we've got hundreds of property markets. Fifth point, no buyer group has increased their market share. CoreLogic's buyer classification data showed that there's no major changes in the three months to the end of June. First home buyers and mortgaged multiple property owners, or MPOs, held steady at around the 23% mark each, although cash multiple property owners did gain a little bit of share while movers slid back a bit. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the property market and updates around finances, feel free to join me at one of our free beginner's guide to property investment events. We hold them online or in person. Check it out at propertyapprentice.co.nz for any upcoming dates that we've got and register today. Third topic for this week in review, we've got One Roof on the 12th of July published an article called Kiwis Cashing In, Goodbye Auckland House Prices, G'day Australia. Aucklanders are thinking of moving across the ditch to get more bang for their buck and earn more. Agents have told One Roof that homeowners are considering selling their property and tenants are handing their notices in as they plan to move to Australia for cheaper property and better wages. Auckland real estate agents in the north and the south of the city say that there's a large number of people selling their homes at the moment who are relocating to Adelaide, Perth, Brisbane and Melbourne. Harcourt's Glenfield agent, David Ding, sold three properties last month where the owners were moving across the ditch, and he said that there have been many more this year. 
According to him, Adelaide is the most popular destination as house prices are lower. One of Ding's clients refused an offer on his house last year because he didn't think it was high enough, but then took a lower price this year just so that he could move to Australia. Ding believes that the brain drain is the main reason Aucklanders are moving to Aussie. Tom Rawson, the co-owner of Ray White Monaco, said in the past 18 months his branch has seen dozens of clients move from Auckland to Australia. Rawson said it's not just homeowners selling up. Tenants are also handing in their notice and heading to Australia. He said Brisbane was the most popular destination for his clients, followed by Perth. Sydney wasn't a choice for people as house prices in the area were deemed just as expensive as Auckland and according to Rawson some of his friends were able to purchase houses with swimming pools on quarter acre sections for $500,000. Other clients had already made the move to Australia last year but were only now putting their houses on the market after deciding to make it permanent. Infometrics principal economist Brad Olson said that figures showed that more New Zealanders were leaving than those coming in and there was a general feeling that pay was higher overseas. Infometrics own analysis found people could earn an average of $200 to $400 a week more in Australia than in New Zealand. Olson said workers in the construction and health sectors are in high demand there and people are looking at various opportunities. Although there is a general feeling that there's more options in Australia when it comes to houses, the grass might not be so much greener since the housing market has also been impacted by COVID and rising interest rates. I know my personal preference is certainly to stay in New Zealand and invest in New Zealand for a number of different reasons, which I don't have time to go into today. But if you want to come to one of our free events, I'll explain more there. Fourth topic for this week in review, one roof on the 12th of July, how your credit score affects your mortgage chances. It's not just the triple CFA and the loan to value ratio limits for banks that are holding back some first home buyers from getting a mortgage. A bad credit record can as well. Loan market mortgage advisor Lisa Meredith shares that she's recently placed a mortgage with a non-bank lender because her clients had black marks on their credit record and the bank had declined their application. Sometimes mortgage advisors have got the ability to negotiate with banks, but not having defaults and other black marks are always a better starting point. Virtually every New Zealander has got credit files. These are held by three different companies, Equifax, Centrix and Illion. And they include entries for loans, overdrafts, credit cards, buy now, pay later deals, payday advances, court imposed fines and judgments and utility accounts. Landlords, electricity providers, employers and banks get to see a number of credit cards, loans and accounts that the home buyer has, how often they've defaulted and also positive information like regular payments. Equifax Managing Director Angus Luffman said that information in a credit file reflects whether a person's a good credit risk or not and lenders use these files to make better decisions. Being a good credit risk means getting more options when you need them. Luffman says credit reports have got four layers of information, the person's identity and address, the total number of applications for credit, defaults and public adverse information such as court judgments or bankruptcies, the number of credit accounts held, including types of accounts when they were opened and the credit limits on each, and repayment history for the past 24 months. All of this combined forms a score which can be the difference between a yes or a no on a loan application. 
Ideally, borrowers should be checking their own credit scores months and preferably years leading up to applying for a mortgage. You can do that using the Yonder app for Equifax, creditsimple.co.nz for Illion or Centrix. Each company may hold a slightly different set of information, so it's important to get all three reports. Meredith said some client credit files stop them from getting loans from the main banks. Even a few missed payments on a phone or electricity account can cause banks to decline an application. Consumers can get annoyed that credit agencies keep files about private information. However, when businesses lend money to customers, it's common for their terms and conditions to include passing information onto credit agencies. In return, they get to check if borrowers are a good risk. Consumers have got a chance to restore the health of their credit score, but it often does take time. Agencies are also required to remove inaccuracies on files. Most other information is dropped off after two to five years. Luffman suggests that customers get a copy of their credit history and contact their lenders if there's anything that's not clear. He added that clients could close down credit facilities like unused cards or to avoid applying for credit cards because this adds entries to the credit file. In order for a credit file to be in good shape, consumers should have a budget and stick to it. Because of the triple CFA, banks are looking at expenditures more closely. Meredith said if borrowers are aware of the contents of their credit file and are honest with themselves, mortgage advisors can put their case in the best possible light to the banks. A debt not declared to the bank looks bad. One where the advisor can show a plan to pay it off is much less of a problem. When borrowers' applications are rejected, advisors sometimes recommend that they spend time tidying up their credit file to increase their credit score. Last but not least, for this week in review, we've got the Reserve Bank press release on the 13th of July. Money tightening continues. The Monetary Policy Committee increased the OCR to 2.5% on Wednesday. According to the committee, it's appropriate to tighten monetary conditions in order to maintain price stability and support maximum sustainable employment. Global supply disruptions caused by COVID and the Russian invasion of the Ukraine continue to generate inflation pressures. The prices of food and energy are particularly impacted by this geopolitical tension. In order to reduce growth in spending, global economies have resorted to tight monetary and fiscal measures. Asset prices have also declined due to higher interest rates and weaker earnings. In New Zealand, domestic spending has been supported by resilient household balance sheets, high employment levels, continued fiscal support and strong terms of trade. A reduction in COVID-19 restrictions has also increased demand. Labour and resource scarcity are also contributing to upward price pressures, which are currently exacerbated by seasonal illness, a resurgent in COVID-19 cases and a net outflow of labour abroad. In these circumstances, spending and investment demand exceeds supply capacity, with signs highlighting persistent inflationary pressures. Employment remains above its maximum sustainable level, and the Reserve Bank's core inflation measures are around 4%. The committee agreed to continue to lift the OCR to a level where it's confident that consumer price inflation will settle within the target range. The committee is comfortable that the projected path of the OCR outlined in the recent May monetary policy statement remains broadly consistent with achieving its primary inflation and employment objectives without causing unnecessary instability in output, interest rates and the exchange rate. Once aggregate supply and demand are more in balance, 
then the OCR can return to a lower, more neutral level. And this week, we've got an update on, uh, on things like the inflation rate. We're expecting to see some information filing through this week about what the, the latest results are for inflation in New Zealand. So watch this space. So thank you for listening and feel free to join me at one of our free events online or live in our office in Ellerslie in Auckland. Register for one of our free events at propertyapprentice.co.nz and I'll look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening. <laughs>